Welcome to Come and Reason with Christian psychiatrist and author Dr. Tim Jennings. Together we will reason through complex issues to find evidence-based answers that harmonize scripture, science, and our life experiences. I'm your Come and Reason host, Charles Mills. Unity. Now there's a word that doesn't describe anything that's going on in our world today. It's a totally lacking condition in our society. No one agrees with anyone else, it seems. Well, unity, or lack thereof, isn't new. The Apostle Paul wrote a whole chapter on that subject when he was communicating with the church members at Ephesus. I'm talking about Ephesians chapter 4. Here to unpack that important chapter is Dr. Tim Jennings via Skype. Dr. Jennings, what did Paul, then a prisoner, have to say on the subject of unity? We're going to pick up with verse 17 of chapter 4 of Ephesians, where Paul says this, So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. In the futility of their thinking. And what makes their thinking futile? Well, the Gentiles are those who don't know God. Yeah. Okay, And if they don't know God, they don't have God's methods, character, principles operating in their heart and mind. They're operating on the principles of the world. And the principles of the world are me first, survival driven, watch out for self, power over, exploit, ends justify the means, survival of the fittest. This is the principles of the world, not the principles of God. And this is where the strong dominate the weak. And as people will congregate together in societies, eventually they form a structure in which they try to bring order. We call those governments. And all human governments operating on the systems of the world create what is known as the rule of law. Mm-hmm. And the rule of law is designed to bring some order, some structure to protect. And in fact, to a certain degree, they do. But Paul is describing that the worldly ways are futile. It's the futility of their thinking. Even though it does reduce anarchy, does reduce chaos, how come then it becomes futile? Because the rule of law that brings a certain structure and order and reduces chaos in society can never change hearts and minds. Mm -hmm. Yet it's so effective It's the highest level that sinful human beings can achieve, the rule of law. It's the highest level of functioning we can achieve without the converting power of the Holy Spirit. And it's so effective that many people accept it as God's highest level. It is not, but they do. And thus, many religious organizations teach the rule of law is how God runs. He doesn't. It leads to penal legal types of theologies. But this is what it teaches, and here's why it's futile. Under the rule of law, as long as I keep the rules— pay my taxes, don't speed, don't commit crimes. I'm safe in the world. Mm. It gives the illusion, the rule of law gives the illusion of rule keeping leads to health and wellness and safety. If I can find the right doctrines, get the right truths, make the right pledges to the right God, uh, do the right rituals, get baptized in the right way. If I can just keep the rules right, then I have eternal safety, internal security. God can't tag me out and send me to hell. So this rule of law approach brings a certain sense of security to lots of people. I do this to assuage my own guilt, to assuage my own fears and my own securities, to make me feel safe. This is why people pursue this. But it is futile. Why? We've all seen it. It doesn't really matter. You can be a good law-keeping, rule-keeping citizen and still be interned in an internment camp, Japanese citizens during World War II, all your freedoms taken away from you. Or in society today, how many people have we seen that have been falsely imprisoned or falsely punished by society 
because they couldn't afford the attorney to defend them against the false allegations. So human law systems are futile. They actually don't bring true righteousness or true justice. And this is why as we pursue those human law systems, it becomes futile. And this is what happens when Christianity, when Christianity accepted it in the Dark Ages, they pursued converting people to Jesus through imposed laws, and they would burn people at the stakes, and they would do inquisitions, and they would do crusades, and they would try to, by force of arms, make people become Christian. And yet it was futile because it didn't change hearts and minds. It didn't put love in people's hearts. It didn't do away with abuses and human rights violations. And that's the futility of the thinking. That's verse 17. Verse 18, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. See, the futility of the world's ways, the imposed law, rule-keeping, punishing, darkens the minds and separates people from God. Even if they're Christian and religious, if they have that view, what do they teach? Well, God has a law. God's law was broken. The broken law requires that God and righteousness keep accurate records, and somebody has to be punished for those sins, and Jesus came to take our punishment, and if you don't get his payment made to your account in heaven, then God will have to punish you too. And so then we create all these theologies to hide us and protect us from God. So we have the blood of Jesus put on our record book so it erases the record so God doesn't know. Or we have Jesus as a mediator pleading to the Father to hide us and protect us from the wrath of the Father, and so on and so forth. In other words, we create ideas and theologies to obstruct in our own hearts and minds unity with God, all under the guise of being legally protected from the punishment God would inflict upon us if we didn't have that legal protection. There is no way that I can see, Dr. Jennings, where someone who believes the way you just said, this rule of law, can possibly agree with or somehow find solidarity with someone who looks at life differently, who looks at life through the Jesus lens, the lens of love and forgiveness and and forbearance and tolerance and, and, and joy and peace and love. Those two cannot get together, can they? Well, they are constantly merged in all types of distorted theologies that ah, don't make sense to thinking there people. You go, there you so go. the theologies are, well, God loved you so much, he sent Jesus to take all your sins, and they were all placed on Jesus, and God then punished Jesus on the cross, thus yeah. punishing all yeah. your sins because he loves you. And if you accept the payment in your behalf, then he will declare you legally pardoned in heaven and you will have legal forgiveness by God. And therefore you can have legal righteousness, even though you're not righteous, you'll be declared to be legal righteous, even though you're not. And so they try to merge it because they don't understand how reality actually works because they're trying to teach God's kingdom through the kingdoms or the methods of this world. It is not how reality actually works. You have to come back to see God's laws, design laws the laws upon which reality operate, that we are sick in heart. That's why we need to be reborn or have the law written on the heart and mind or have our hearts circumcised by the Spirit. We have to be changed in inner man, and that's only achieved through the victories of Christ being applied in us, so it's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. So it's actually transformational, regenerational within the sinner. It's not legal penal. The whole legal penal thing obstructs that process, so it becomes futile, and we're darkened in the futility of our thinking, and our hearts become hardened. And this is what the Pharisees were. They were religiously preoccupied with religiously hardened hearts. And this is the same dark age as Christianity, the Christianity of much of the world today, who are willing to actually take the reins of government and force and, and hurt people under the name of practicing their religion. 
that was verse 18. Yeah. Verse 19, having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You see, what happens then when the heart becomes hard, there's no peace, there's no joy, there's no real happiness. And so what people do then when they do this futility of the world's methods, even under the guise of religious futility that we just went through, they will then pursue pleasure-seeking because they're not really happy. You can get pleasure, but you can't get happiness because happiness is a byproduct of healthiness, and healthiness only happens in harmony with God's law being restored into the heart. So people will instead seek pleasure-seeking, and this will be various addictions or pornography or domination and exploitation of others. And what does the science show? That the rate of Domestic violence, spouse abuse, child abuse, child sexual exploitation, pornography rates, and addictions are the same in Christian homes as non-Christian homes. Why is it the same? Because Christianity has accepted a fraud, a lie that God's law works like human law, and it's a penal legal system. They claim penal legal forgiveness and pardon. They don't actually have any power to have a transformed heart and live free. And thus they continue under this shame and fear and guilt, pursuing something that will make them feel better while they continue to get worse. That's exactly what Paul is telling us here. What happens when we accept the futility of the world's thinking, human imperialism, rather than God as creator and his laws design law. Then we have penal legal religion, which hardens the heart. And we're unhappy. We're guilt-filled. We're shame-filled. Thus, we seek something to make us feel better, which all the vices of the world that give us pleasure, gluttony, addictions, all types of things. And thus, we are no different functionally if we operate in the systems of the world than the systems of the world. So you're saying that if a person listens to all Ten Commandments that God there, and we've talked about the Ten Commandments before and why they were given, but let's just, just stay with me for a minute. They take all those Ten Commandments to heart, and they do every one of those commandments. They, they don't break any of them. They remember, they honor, they don't steal, they don't kill, they don't murder, they don't commit adultery, all those things. And they live their life completely in the rule of law. That person can still be lost. That person is still lost unless they've done number 10. This is what Paul wrote in the New Testament when he wrote, I was a Pharisee of Pharisees, and, and I was under, until the law exposed me. And which one did he cite? He cited number 10. The first nine, as you just said, can all be done behaviorally from a penal legal way that human law works. But what's number 10? Thou shalt not covet. And so number 10 cannot be done behaviorally. Internal thing. That exposes what all the other nine are supposed to be. And that is you cannot actually keep the commandments legally. You can only keep them when the law has been written on the heart, when you've been reborn, when selfishness has been replaced with love, when you actually have in your heart to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, the neighbor is yourself. And when you love your neighbor as yourself, you will not murder them. You won't steal from them. You won't bear false witness against them. You won't commit adultery. You won't dishonor your parents because that's what love does. And so the only way to keep the Ten Commandments is never penal legally. That's the lie of the futility of the earth's thinking. So what were the Ten Commandments given for? They were added. They were not in existence in Eden. They were written hundreds of years later after humankind had fallen into sin as a diagnostic instrument to expose the actual sin condition to lead us back to Christ for healing. So they're like an MRI for the soul. And that's why Paul writes to Timothy, the law is good if one uses it wisely. One uses it wisely, but it was not given for the righteous. It was given for the unrighteous. And an MRI does not heal you. You take an MRI, you're not healed. 
So an MRI is not created for the healthy people. It was created for the sick and yeah. diseased people. Yeah. And the MRI exposes the diseases, but it cures nothing. It yeah. convicts you or something's wrong, so you go to the doctor for wellness. And that's the purpose of the Ten Commandments. But when we're under the futility of the Earth's thinking or the human thinking, the Gentile thinking, then we think the law is something we have to obey and behave to, and we think the salvation is penal legal in adjustment of record books in heaven. It's all a big fraud. Hmm. I like the fact that Jesus, knowing what you just said, wrapped it all up by saying love each other, love one another, love yourself, love other people. Am I right in saying that? All law hangs on these. Mm -hmm. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and neighbor as yourself. And so if we continue on our Ephesians passage, Paul eventually gets to the point where he talks about how that we were created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Notice that like God, in true righteousness and holiness. Thus we are to be made new in the attitudes of our minds and put on the new self. That's what he says to do. It's not get a new adjustment in a record book in heaven. It's not what some theologians tell you. You are declared to be righteous even though you're not. It is that we get a new self in true righteousness to be like God. Well, I tell you what, Dr. Jennings, when I talk with you and listen to what you have to say, my mind just whirls around. But the lesson here, I think, is very clear. It says, you know, if you, if you want unity, listener, if you want unity with your neighbor, if you want unity with your family, with your church member, with the world, you got to have that love. Am I right, Dr. Jennings? That's right. Unity comes through the combination of truth and love. Mm-hmm. When you have love that you care about another person, you might seek to do their best interest, but if you don't have truth, you will still hurt them. The doctors who wanted to treat George Washington cared for him or loved him, but they bled and leached him because they didn't understand truth, so they actually helped kill him. And so many people have love in their heart, but they actually cause harm by teaching falsehood or applying falsehood. But truth without love can be uh, used as a bludgeon to crush people. And so it is the Holy Spirit of truth and love. Truth applied with love for the best interest of others is what's healing and restorative. Comeandreason.com is the website. Dr. Jennings, as always, thank you so much for sharing with us today. Appreciate it. Thank you, Charles. Listener, until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Dr. Tim Jennings wishing you God's presence in your life. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for spending time with us today. To continue the journey, I urge you to visit comeandreason.com. Here you'll find many excellent resources to help you gain a deeper understanding of the God we all love and serve. That's at comeandreason.com. This is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, inviting you to join us the next time we come and reason together. Come and reason.